Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> Do Ling. Let me hear it. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when he finds when he's hitting things. Hot. <laughs> I can also do a uh, Navi. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> My one talent. Only played like a few games. Amazing. Uh, Hot. <laughs> once someone told me that, like, when I'm walking with a group of people, mm-hmm. I'm a fast walker, and you yeah. know this, and I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just get left in the dust. <laughs> I like when there's a group of people and I am the fastest walker, mm-hmm. I'll walk ahead and then I'll stop and I'll wait and I'll turn around. And then once they get close, I start walking again. And someone's like, you're the guide NPC. You and are. Like, no. All you have to do is walk into some walls and then it's you. Yeah. You're just like, are you still there? And you're like, yeah, I'm on my way. Like I'm trying my best. Hey, and listen. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> do you need something? <laughs> do you have to cough? And then yeah. as soon as I hear that, I'm like, you need a special tool. It's locked. You and Nancy Drew. <laughs> Me and Nancy Drew. I mean, I did follow up with someone over Nancy Drew, but that was really just making a, a little, a ha-ha. I was just making a ha <laughs> Your Honor. You fought over Nancy Drew? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she was mean to me. I get it. Okay, if I start talking about it, that's going to be the podcast. And that's a separate project we're working on. A special episode of you just talking about the one beef about Nancy Drew. Yeah. Speaking of beefs. Speaking of beefs. Boy, nobody gets more angry about a beef than Nazis. (laughs) I mean... We're talking about green room. We're talking about green room. <laughs> green room. Sweet baby angel Anton Yelchin, rest in peace, baby. Rest in peace. He's so talented. I love him so much, I, and I'm like every day I mourn him. You know. I know. We just watched uh, Charlie Bartlett. We haven't watched that in forever. Um, um a, little, a little problematic. I mean, I'll give it that. Yeah. But Anton, he was so talented. Did you watch Thoroughbreds? No. It came out after he passed. Yes, yes, it did. And it's I wanted to. Weird. And I, I wanted love to it. watch that. Yeah. That was his last movie, right? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Anton Yelchin, Green Room. He's yes. so good in this. Uh, this movie is just wild. Uh, I'll tell you some fun facts about me in this movie before I tell you some fun facts about the movie. Um, I went and saw this in theaters, and this was when I was still going to, like, punk bars all the time. Oh, Like, God. all the time. And I was watching it, and it just, like, I don't know if it was just because I would go to places that had the same vibe as these plays yeah. or what. But I almost had to leave. Yeah. It was that intense. And I it's not. Rewatching it, I was like, oh, this is just like a really good, scary movie. Yeah. But for some reason at the time, I was like, I can't be here. Yeah. And I just had to I wanted to leave so bad because I was like, this is too intense. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's really good. Hey. <laughs> I still loved it when I saw it the first time. Yeah. I was just so anxious because I was like, what if I go to a bar like this and I witness a murder? And I'm like, it's Columbus. It's fine. You're not gonna witness a murder. No. <laughs> but who knows? Um, but do you want some facts about Green Room? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. So the movie was made in 2015. I don't have a lot of facts, just to say. I'm a little bummed, but I do have a cool one at the end about the gore. Um, so it's made in 2015, written and directed by Jeremy Solnier, I think is how you say it. I'm not positive. Um, he also made Murder Party, Blue Rain. I had to burp. <laughs> yes. And Hold the Dark. 
the cinematography was Sean Porter. Uh, he also did It Felt Like Love, Kumiko, The Treasure Hunter, uh, 20th Century Women, and Green Book. Oh. Interesting. Huh. A lot of greens. Yeah. Green Room, Green Book. Yeah. But, yeah, interesting. What's funny about that, too, is that when I looked it up, it showed, like, usually it'll show their most popular or most well-known movies, yeah. and then it'll show the other ones later. Green Book just, like, wasn't on there. And I'm like, that movie won Best Picture. Not that I agree that it should. Yeah. But it did win Best Picture. So I just wow. thought it was funny that they were like, let's just push that one down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the music was by Brooke Blair and Will Blair. Um, I think they're a team. I don't know if they're related or I don't know. I couldn't find out. They're but... like best bud siblings or lovers. And exactly. There's no way to know. Who knows? I could easily probably look this up. Eh, there's but, no way to you know. know. There's no way to know. I like a mystery. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they do a lot of things together. It doesn't sound like they only do movies, but they mm. do a lot of movies. I wrote down the ones that I kind of know or the ones that I was like, yes, that seems relevant, but they've done a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which I love. What Have you seen that? God damn, no. It's wild. It is so good. It's Elijah Wood with nunchucks, and oh. it's great. He's got a mullet. Oh. We love it to see it. See, that went a lot of different directions, but ultimately positive. It also has other main characters who are amazing, but that's okay. the part that you take away, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, he also did Black Christmas 2019. Oh. Uh, I have not seen that one. Nor we I. talked about that, right? We, we haven't seen it. Next Christmas. Next Christmas. Yeah. Um, also did Vampires vs. the Bronx, Blue Ruin, and also did Murder Party. Oh. So the same one that um, the director did. So, you know, Buzz. Maybe they got together for one last romp. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. after this director did those movies I listed, that's like it. Short films after that, that was it. Wow. Not a lot going on. The budget. Do you know the budget? No. Okay, it was $5 million. Okay. Do you know how much it made? Um, well, Patrick Stewart's in it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I anticipate that people would go. Right. $15 million? 3.8. Oh, that's no. That's it. So it didn't make its money back. No. But I'm not necessarily surprised because I don't think it released a in a lot of places. Okay, yeah. Um, I only saw it because I obviously worked at a theater yeah. and we showed And it was purposely. like an art house type yeah. theater, yeah. It was A24, so I think that was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe before they were a little bit... More established? Yeah. Because, like, obviously they still had other movies that were good back then, yeah. too. But I think this was before it was like, oh, that's A24? I'll see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It became like a like a Bloomhouse almost. We're like, it's Bloomhouse? I know what to expect. Yep, So, yep. okay. Maybe it was before that. I don't know. But only three point eight million. Damn. But also the budget being only five million. Yeah, I mean they built the set. Yeah, but that was the only location, pretty right. much. There was like that a was farm, it. but they actually did it on location in Oregon. Yes, they like, did everything in Oregon, and um, I thought that was wild. Yeah, I was like, wow. I mean, it makes sense. It is green room. It takes place in a room. That's the whole point. Yeah, for the most part. But interesting. And then my one fun fact. So Solnir, the director. He wanted to, Solnir sounds like I'm saying someone from Lord of the Rings. Like, Solnir. Solnir. <laughs> That's probably not even how you pronounce it, but I am no man. <laughs> I am Solnir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Solnir. Uh, so he made sure that every act of violence in the film had a reason, which we've talked about. Yep. And I was so excited because yep. when I read that, I'll, I'll talk about it in a minute. But he also wanted to make sure uh, that the gore was like reasonable. So there are no gratuitous close-ups of any of the dead bodies. Um, there's really no close-ups of any gore for very long. And if there are, there's like a reason to show them yeah. either being alive still or like there's some kind of reason behind yeah. it. Which we've talked about so many times. And yeah. I was so happy <laughs> that I could like, I was like, someone else gets it. You know yeah. what I mean? So I was like, we kept talking about this. And I'm like, maybe we're just weird and we don't actually understand. But then when I read that, I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because um, I was just talking to my roommate about it. Mm-hmm. And we were saying, like, 
I don't like gory things. Yeah. But if I'm going to watch something that's gory, I just ask that it has a reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that way, you yeah. know. That's how I've felt about it for a long time. It's like, if there's going to be gore, there needs to be a reason for it. Yeah. I'm not interested in just like blood hitting the walls for no for apparent no reason. reason. Like, I don't need to see these intense close-ups of like gore after they've already died. Because I'm like, it's, they're dead. I get it. Like, yeah. I've seen that part. And I know for some people that's, they like that. And that's fine. Go. I mean, enjoy it. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying I'm not into it. Yeah. So when I read this, I was like, oh, hell yeah. And I, it comes across too, because yeah. I don't like gore. Yeah. This movie's pretty intense, but it, because everything had a reason and it yeah. wasn't like, I don't know, pointless. I was like, okay. And it doesn't hold on them for a long no. time. Like, look at this mangled throw. It's like, exactly. oh, the throat's mangled. Okay, we're moving on. Oh, exactly. Like, there's a pretty intense gunshot that really got oh, me. God. And I remember seeing it and being like, oh, and then they do not give you a moment to even process that. Is it that. Daniels? Yes. Yeah. So that's... like, there's no moment to process it. So that freaks you out. It does a good job of scaring you. But also it's like nice because I'm like, thank you. I did for... not want to continue yep. to see this. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of good thoughts about that movie. But nice. that's my... Oh no. <laughs> we haven't done this in a while. <laughs> I forgot. As I do every single uh -huh, time. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Okay. A band takes a last minute gig mm -hmm. and it's also their last gig. Wow. But yeah. only for like most of them. <laughs> I mean, as a band, it is their last as gig. As a band, it is their last One gig. One surviving member of the band, yeah. Because of Nazis, to be clear. Yes, because, yes. <laughs> Just like, I want to make sure that that part's clear. Um, <laughs> Nazis are the reason. And bad things happen. <laughs> and then I, they die. I really get like a good hook and then I ruin it by the end where I'm like, oh, and also. <laughs> it starts off so promising every yeah. single time. I'm like, wow, you're really hitting the classics. And then I yeah. go, oh, Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> I panic pretty hard. <laughs> well, okay. So your summary is actually almost, but until the end. The until beginning the end. of yours really matched up with yes. this pithy oh, Rotten Tomatoes Thank one. God, please. Pithy. Yeah. <laughs> Members of a punk rock band and a tough young woman battle murderous white supremacists at a remote Oregon roadhouse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's pithy? That's it? That is pithy. Yeah. Wow. They're not pulling punches. No, they're they like, really just go are. watch the fucking movie, you know? They're like, there's Nazis go. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, we said everything you need to know. God, it's such an unsettling film. Yeah. I, I like it so much. And it, I'm so excited because I don't know what you're going to cover. Because there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of things so and not directions. a lot of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm like, where could she go? But also, where could she go? <laughs> like, why limit her? <laughs> so I feel like part of what I'm going to talk about in Nerd Corner, you're going to be like, why? But then the other part, you're going to be like, yeah, okay. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of like how Gremlins was when you were like, and consumerism. And then you were like, but also look how sad Christmas can be. And I was like, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> destroyed me. I did not realize how heartbreaking I made that. It was so like good, though, because I was like, <laughs> what you going to talk about? Like little monsters. And you were like, consumerism at Christmas is destroying everything. And I was like... <laughs> To me, that was just like another Tuesday, and so I didn't even think that it like. But now I'm realizing, like, with the number of times you've mentioned it, that I hurt you. <laughs> you did another time too, where you were like, "We're gonna talk about the '80s," and I went like leg warmers and dancing, and you were like, "Not those things." So I was like, "Oh, okay." I need to stop guessing because I'm hurting myself. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna guess. We're gonna talk about something that you like briefly. Oh, yeah, briefly. What yeah. is it? Teddy boys. <gasps> I love the teddy yeah. boys. Okay. It's gonna. It's a little um, island oasis. <laughs> Just okay. so you know. It's like the eye of the storm where we yeah. get that brief respite. Teddy boys. And then boom. <laughs> yep. I love Teddy boys. Yeah. 
So we come across tropes like shown their work in truth and television and yeah. shown their work is like when someone researched it mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, you actually know the physics of how this would work right. and you wanted to prove that you knew the physics of this. So we talked about that with like Alzheimer's yes. and um, the Deborah Logan one. Yes. Um, and then truth and television is where something doesn't, like it's actually accurate in television and you're like, yeah. oh, that's weird. Um, Interesting. And that's kind of like the opposite trope of it's not an accurate fact, but because it's so like cemented in pop culture everyone's like oh of course the brain looks like this duh right yeah that type of thing so there are accuracies within the plot that are unexpected one of those moments in this film is the setting mm-hmm. and name drop of portland interesting so I actually did not know this okay oh boy <laughs> oh no yeah so to get to that point we'll yeah. need to briefly talk about skinheads yep uh from their mostly apolitical group to demarcated branches mm-hmm. oregon's exclusion of black settlers and waves of neo-Nazi and white supremacist violence in Portland. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So perception of Portland is like liberal haven in the Pacific Northwest. I haven't watched much of Portland yet, but like the general understanding is that it spoofs the prevalence and vibes of hipsters yes. in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And so like one would be forgiven for thinking that Portland is this bastion of progressive-minded folks. Right. And I didn't really know anything about, like, white supremacy, specifically in Portland. Like, the organizing there. I had no idea. Until one of my friends moved back from Portland. No. And said, yeah, we left because my neighbor was a white supremacist. (gasps) And we felt unsafe. And I was like, ooh. Absolutely wild. Yeah. They did get their deposit back because of that. Like, they cut their lease early. And then they told their landlord, like, we're moving because we live next to a white supremacist. And they're like, okay, well, I'm not going... Like, you're terminating your lease early, and I'm not going to make you pay for that. Thank God. Yeah. Um, There's a pretty deep history of racism and white supremacist organizing. And obviously, the entire fucking nation is founded on racism and white supremacy. That's not unique to Portland. Right. However, Portland has been a hotbed for recruiting and organizing specifically. So I want to dig into that a little bit and then look at how Green Room fits in. Yeah. This is not going to be a super linear timeline because, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about Teddy Boys. Yeah, Teddy Boys! (laughs) We're jumping around nations and decades, so bear with me. But I'm going to start in London in the 1950s. Okay. You've talked Teddy Boys in the late 50s, so we're going to look at the folks that follow them in the post-war years. Yeah. So, like, if you had to give, like, a one-sentence summary for Teddy Boy style. Teddy Boy style is, like, a mix of that classic, what's it called, um... It's not greaser, but it's mm. that uh, suave. No, there's a word for it that already exists, yeah. but I can't think of the word. It's like that jean jackets, poodle skirts, like that yeah. kind of like look, yeah. but it's mixed with Victorian fashion from the Victorian mm. era, but they're like turning it purposefully punk. It's like an alternative yeah. style on purpose. So it's like they're mocking these prim and proper clothes by mixing them with like more modern things. Or women are wearing pants and looking, like, really, really masculine, and that was a new thing. Um, so, like, an alternative subculture yeah. of, like, Victorian fashion. Oh, excellent. Very okay. cool. So, from the Teddy Boys, we went into, like, the other post-war years, and yeah. we look at the mods. And now yes. this is London Soho. And <laughs> they battle. <laughs> no. They it's not like the Teddy Boys versus the mods right fight. now. They fight. <laughs> uh, so, now we're going to talk about the film Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I like that movie, though. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're like whispering to each other. <laughs> like, shush, shush, they can't know. They can't know. Um, so the mods 
took inspiration from modern jazz, mm-hmm. which is where mods came from, and fashions across the globe. So yeah. they wore tailored suits, smooth suave, fashionable boots. They rode scooters instead of motorbikes because that's what Italians did. They wore military parkers while riding those scooters to make sure their nice suit stayed clean. But those were the mm-hmm. mods with disposable income. Yes. There was an offshoot of hard mods who were living in working class neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And they chose practical clothing, work boots or army boots, straight leg jeans or trousers instead of like the tailored mm-hmm. trousers. Like it was called like stay pressed or something. Yeah, yeah. And button down shirts. They were into ska, reggae, and soul. So like they were heavily borrowing from black artists. Right. <laughs> and most of their articles I read said that they took particular interest in the sartorial choices of Jamaican rude boys. Okay. Which was like, I'm not like super well-versed or well-versed at all in that. Um, yeah, I was like, I don't know. But the hard mods, so like the smooth mods, mm-hmm. a lot of it was very androgynous. So like you see the male music- musicians that are like wearing longer hair, some yep. eyeliner, the clothes that I mentioned, and then like women were wearing more androgynous. They were also wearing suits. They had right. shorter hair than was like normal for that time. Or, right. Like, customary for that time. But like then the hard mods were very much like we will wear Doc Martens to show our work class, working yeah. class roots and all that. They cut their hair shorter potentially because long hair was not a smart thing to have if you worked in a factory or need to jump into a street fight. Right. And in the 60s, there was a notable split between hard mods and smooth mods. Yeah. Sometimes uh, the smooth wads, smooth wads. I just remember the fashion thing that I couldn't think yes. of. Rockabilly. Rockabilly. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. It kind of like gonna... slowly turned into that almost a little bit. Okay, kind okay, of. okay, cool. Uh, I just got excited. I was you. like, Rockabilly! Yes! <laughs> uh, so sometimes the smooth mods were also known as peacock mods because oh. they were like more showy. Right. And the hard mods were like, yeah, we're like wearing our dirty trousers and like our button down shirts and like. We're not like the other mods. Yeah, we're cool mods. <laughs> we're cool mods. Uh, so still at this point, it's mostly about fashion, available income and music. Right. It's not a political faction. No, not yet. Not By yet. the late 60s, hard mm-hmm. mods were known as skinheads because of their short haircuts. I see. And still in this time, it's just about fashion. Skinheads yeah. were not a political. No, I actually knew that. Yeah. That was one surprising thing that I was like, skinheads actually were not, it's not a thing synonymous with being like white supremacist. That's not I thought, like for most of my life, I thought skinhead was just a synonym for a neo-Nazi. But surprisingly, no, it's just a fashion thing. Yeah. It's like. they're like when you, we'll get into it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So by the, the mods had a bit of a quiet period Mm -hmm. in the early 70s. They weren't as relevant in popular culture, Mm -hmm. so, like, they just weren't, like, as present. Right. Uh, But then in the late 70s, punk rock crashed the party. This is where it gets kind of hard to offer, like, a succinct explanation, but I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. Because, like, popular culture movements are very amorphous and fluid. Yeah. And there's not, like, a clear delineation or moment where, like, ah, this is where radicalization began. So I have a direct quote from Wikipedia to summarize this period. Beautiful. Although the punk movement emphasized nihilistic and narcissistic values instead of the working class heritage, the punk opposition to the middle and upper class, the adoption of Nazi imagery by some punks to maximize shock value, and the development of an underground network of punk fanzines inspired and facilitated the parallel emergence of racist skinhead subcultures. Okay. Yeah. So it's like the original punk movement had different, like, um, drives. Right. But they also opposed upper middle class they used this imagery and like there were a bunch of punk fanzines and so it did facilitate this right. development of a racist subculture yes. within it. Right. 
<laughs> I got that so quick. You got it. Uh-huh. First try. Yeah, first try. <laughs> so this is where we start to differentiate skinheads as a subculture, mostly yeah. defined by fashion choices mm-hmm. to white power skinheads who have those styles but are part of white supremacist organizations. Right. So now when we talk about skinheads, you can talk about, like, they're sharp, which is, like, skinheads against rat racial... Prejudice? Oh, prejudice. Was like, prejudice? <laughs> I was just choosing. I was like, silent pa-harm. harm. <laughs> it is against racial prejudice. You're yeah, absolutely yeah. right. I did the research. <laughs> I was like, pa-harm. <laughs> I was going to let you say pa-harm. If I had known you were going to say pa-harm, I would not have jumped in. <laughs> With the correct I answer. wish you had said it first. Because I would have gone, yes. That is what it stands for, pa-harm. <laughs> Sometimes I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> Never be ashamed. That'll do too much harm to your confidence. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I'm done. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so when we talk about like skinheads, you can talk about the anti-racist skinheads or the white right. power skinheads. Like yes. it's not like you have to specify which ones right. you mean because they are actually politically different factions. So this offshoot of like white power skinheads went global in the 80s. Right. That of course includes the US. The 80s and 90s were especially big for white power skinheads in the U.S. in terms of membership growth. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have much knowledge about apolitical skinheads before this, so that summer was mostly for me. But interestingly, <laughs> white power skinheads aren't really recruiting in high numbers right now because a lot of the far-right groups favor more casual clothing. Polo, khakis, torches, you know. <laughs> they love tiki torches. <laughs> love tiki torches. Dear God. Yep. So I think it's interesting that while, like, mm-hmm. there's heavy recruiting in, like, active white supremacist organizations. Whoop, whoop. I know we both got it at the same time. Yeah. And I was like, what was that? <laughs> uh, the skinhead, like, the white power skinheads aren't growing in the same way because right. their fashion choices aren't as popular currently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, that was basically an aside. But now we're going to jump to Oregon. Yes. We're going to go all the way back to 1843. Yeah, all right. So Hell state, yeah. Right. So the state's founders outlawed slavery. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Then in 1980, ni- no, 1844. It's like, 19. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Then in 1844, yeah. they passed a law stating that no black settlers were allowed in the state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there were like no enslavement of black peoples, but also only white people, please. Yeah. So national laws technically nullified their exclusion in 1868, but it was still in their state constitution until 1926. Yeah. I am number dyslexic. I almost said 1962. It's hard. Numbers are the hardest. I can't number. So this has made it a very popular state over like the past centuries uh, for white supremacists because they saw it as a place where they could create a white ethno state because like... It's mostly white people because and they I mean, only allowed white people. If settlers. you're raising kids there, and then they're raising kids, and then yeah, it's a vicious cycle. So from go, Oregon is creating a space for white supremacist groups to organize and thrive. Dear God. And we're going to skip forward in time again to the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So as the white power skinheads, oh, I got a notification. So <laughs> as the white power skinheads were growing in number across the globe, they also grew in Portland. Right. In 1988, a 20-year-old man named Mulugeta Sarah was murdered by three white power skinheads. He was an Ethiopian student in the U.S. studying business at a community college. Mm -hmm. While he was in school, he worked two jobs. One as a janitor at a grade school where students and teachers loved him. Uh, And second at a car rental company. He was sending money back to his girlfriend and son in Ethiopia. I think his son was six. uh, With the hope that he could move them to the U.S. to live with him. Right. However, uh, three white power skinheads from the East Side White Pride Gang jumped him on the street outside of his house and murdered him with a baseball bat. Holy shit. Yeah. 
They were found guilty and sentenced to prison. I'm not saying that's justice. <laughs> no, but... I, yeah. yeah. So according to articles, this was a watershed moment for many Portland residents. They were like, racism in my city, which is a very white thing to do. Right. To not see racism and violence until it's impossible not to see. Yeah. After the murder of Sarah, there was hate crime legislation passed in Oregon that made reporting and tracking it mandatory, which was, again, a big fucking deal for them. You was going to say, yeah, I mean. doing it, huh? But there was also an increase in white supremacist recruitment from that. Oh, God. One of their tactics is to purposefully and publicly clash with their opposition to increase recruitment. So they'll be like, Antifa's trying to take over the city, so they'll, like make it very public that they're going into the city and then right. they'll film anyone reacting to them and be like, well, this is what we're protecting you from and all that bullshit. Yes, Jesus. Yeah. And again, because Oregon has a mostly white populace because of their exclusion of black settlers, they're targeting Portland for right. recruitment because like there are a lot of white people here <laughs> without very much exposure <laughs> to people of color. Oregon, jeez. Yeah. So since the murder of Sarah, Portland has been known as Skinhead City. Because right. of the presence of white power skinheads and anti-racist skinheads that very publicly clash. Jesus. And it's gotten... I'm, like, I can't say, like, how it's been tension-wise for people of color there because I am... I First of all, I'm not a person of color and I don't live there. Right. But in terms of, like, the publicity of, like, clashes, it's gotten uh, more notable since, yeah. like, 2020. Especially with, like... You know, right, George like Floyd, with all, yeah, it was uh, very public then. Wow. <laughs> so in terms of like public attention and like very visible and covered clashes of skinheads yeah. in Portland, it's gotten a lot. <laughs> it's gotten a lot. It's gotten a lot. It's gotten a lot indeed. Uh, so this is where uh, Green Room comes yeah. in. <laughs> a punk band is in the Pacific Northwest, desperate for a paying gig to finish up their tour to get home, and they get offered a spot at a bar outside of Portland. Tad mentions Portland by name. And he also mentioned skinheads. They ask what type. And he's like, listen, don't talk politics. Stick with my cousin. Right. So with this short dialogue, we get a bit of the differentiation and tension between skinheads and just Portland broadly. Yeah, very quick, but effective. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like they trade a lot of like terminology, like boots and braces. Right. That type of stuff. And so it's like the language of the punk subculture and you're like picking it up. And so like watching it for the second time you get so much more of it you do yeah and if you know any of the history of portland you get even more of it <laughs> yeah uh but we know what happens from there and as right. you have wisely said before nothing good nothing good nothing good nothing good <laughs> so we talked a bit of history to get to this point but i want to focus on the politics or lack thereof in this film mm-hmm. and i want to preface this with i love this movie <laughs> yeah right uh but we can look at the types of conflict here mm-hmm. are we looking at person versus society or person versus person And I think that can actually be a really interesting question to ask. Yeah. Because at first we have ideology as villain. We know that white supremacy is bad and white supremacists are villains. Right. But ultimately, is their ideology actually the focal point or like the message or is it just a plot point? Right. That's just what gets them there. Yeah. That's just what makes them afraid. So our punk babes aren't fighting against the ideology of the antagonists. They're fighting very specific people that want to kill them to protect their drug ring. So I always come back around to, like, is this movie maintaining the status quo or upsetting it? Does it operate in this space of assumed neutrality? And the author of an article in Vox had a similar feeling as I did at times. So, quote, somewhere inside of Green Room, then, is a thoughtful consideration of not good versus evil, but normal versus evil. Yeah. Again, the members of the band don't want to cause a fuss. They just want to play the show and get out of town with money in hand. But backs against the wall, they fight back anyway. At times I found myself wishing that Green Room had more moral weight to it, that it had presented the neo-Nazis as something other than cartoon supervillains meant to be so bad that we'd applaud when they were bloodily dispatched. 
And yeah. after this point, this is where the author and I develop, uh, diverge in our yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so they point out a more hopeful note of, like, we don't need absolute political icons and heroes to fight Nazis. We just right. need normal people to push back. And so that was published in 2016. <laughs> yeah. And I personally feel that that's kind of sidestepping the point that I'm interested in. Right. So, like, I have two main concerns when yes. watching this. If you're watching it to look for a political message, which, again, I'm not saying is the point, but it's how I engage with things. I don't think... Yeah. <laughs> I should find one. Yeah, so I have, like, two concerns. Like, yes. when you show the villains with evil ideology as bumbling or brilliant masterminds with no in-between, how are we ignoring that white supremacist ideology isn't something that exists at either end of the spectrum? Right. And then when there's only outright highly visible violence, how does that prime us to recognize certain types of violence? Do we train ourselves to only recognize direct physical harm against certain bodies as violence? Yeah. So when we make evil seem like something exceptional on one end of the spectrum like you're an evil genius or you're like a bumbling like sidekick right there's nothing in between we miss the places in the middle that are just as dangerous but not as visible to people with privilege right that aren't on the receiving end of that violence yeah like when white people make movies about gratuitous violence against black folks it's basically giving us an out to say oh well that guy's racist right as long as i don't look like that i'm not being racist but what isn't being shown are, like, the daily violences. Yeah. The chronic stress of existing as a black person in America, detrimental of physical and mental well-being. Like, if you want to get into the heritability of trauma, you can look at epigenetics or any of the diseases and conditions that are more prevalent in the black community because of constant stress. Yeah. Wrecking their systems. <laughs> right. But that's a lot harder to see, especially when you're not looking for it and when you're not trained to look for it. When what you're seeing is like, I recognize this gunshot as violence. Right. And you're not saying, I recognize this exclusion from this space. I recognize this microaggression. I recognize this. Like, we're not being trained to see those things. Yeah. I know I dig too deep into things. (laughs) I don't think Green Room is supposed to be a condemnation of white supremacist ideology. I don't think it operates politically. I like this film still. I'm not saying that, like, it's bad because it doesn't operate politically. I just think that if you're going to be watching it, you're not saying this is a movie about how white supremacy is bad. You're saying this is a movie that has white supremacists in it that happen to be the villains. But they're not villains because of their ideology in this case. Yeah. And I'll watch anything with Sweet Baby and Tanya Elton. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, But I also want to engage with movies politically just for fun. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I don't think this one is trying to do that. No. Okay. It gives you the hope that it might. I think that's why it makes it extra not a bummer it's yeah. not like it's a bummer but it, it's a bit of a like oh okay like you have to kind of like watch it again with the re- with remembering in mind that like this is not going to be yes. any political <laughs> um yeah. and then you can enjoy it for what it is yes um they give you a little bait and switch there too i think um because yeah. like they do that whole thing where they're like i have an idea let's do our sound check and they sing that song where they're like nazi punks fuck you yeah and everyone gets upset and it makes it seem like that's going to be, like, at the forefront of, like, see, like, we sang this song and now they're mad. and But that has nothing to do with no. why they're mad. They actually, even the scary fucking white supremacist at one point literally says, I liked your set. Like, what was that song? It was good. That's what I murdered her to. Yep. It doesn't make him being a white supremacist bad. It makes just the fact that he murdered someone bad. <laughs> um, yes. So I know what you mean. But yeah. it is very much a bait and switch, I think. Because they do oh, yeah. give you that moment of a little bit of, like, oh, see, they're clashing because of this one particular thing. Never does it come back into play. (laughs) That's just the premise for why they're there. And, like, there's another really interesting part to me because, like, I'm very used to egg cab punks. Yes. And they, like, I 
I understand in this moment when they're surrounded by white supremacists and they're in the middle of nowhere and they know they're about to be killed. They're like, we want the cops. We want the cops. Right. But also that's not a very punk thing to want the no. cops. <laughs> it was, yeah. Like it also just, I feel like was interesting because it made them seem so, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but mm-hmm. you talked about it earlier. Where it was mm-hmm. just like, they don't really fight back. Until that's all they have. Yes. And I'm so used to, like, the Columbus punk scene. It's very much just like, fuck racism, fuck this, fuck that. Like, I would never play at a a bar that had Nazis. Like, absolutely fucking not. And then you see them, and it's, like, interesting. Because, like, the people that I know that are in this scene would very much be like, I don't care how much money you would give me. I'm not doing that. Um, So you just kind of have to almost let it go. Like, you really have to, like, suspend your disbelief to be like, these are not the punks that I know. Like, these are not the people in bands that I, like, no. know. Because they would never play a show. It doesn't matter if they were like, we need gas to get home. I'd be like, no. they already had it planned that they could do it without this gig. And now they're doing it anyway. Yeah. It would kind of be like, I see what we're doing here. Yes. <laughs> and it's not Nazis. Like, yeah. it is not that they are Nazis that you are mad at them. It is that they are evil as well. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? They're Nazis and evil. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like... This movie doesn't make it beat Nazis are evil because they're Nazis. <laughs> no. And they only make um, like a passing joke about like actual ideology where yeah. it was like, oh, I'm going to tell them you're Jewish. Yes. And it's like, there's it's like one little moment. Not about their ideology. Like that's not what is being attacked. No, they literally don't care who these people are. No. And for both sides, yeah. they don't care. They don't care. It's very much just like, you saw something you shouldn't. Yeah. We're going to kill you. We don't want to die. That's yeah. it. So, like, I love this movie as long oh, as yeah. you're not reading politics into it. Because, yes. like, I don't think you're supposed to read that into it. So I think this is a yeah. nice way to do Nerd Corner. Because then it's like, <laughs> you guys can watch this. But yeah. just keep this in mind, please. Like, yeah. I would hate to have someone watch this and be like, I can't wait to really stick it to those Nazis. No. And it's like, no, but here's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If they were just normal people, like, not normal. I don't want to say normal. But, like, if they were just people who were not white supremacists, yeah. um, they would still try to murder these people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It would work with any If uh, they were just drug dealers. Gang, like. Yes. <laughs> like, I think the yeah. white supremacist is just a, a weird little point. cherry they put on top. Yeah. So, like... That's my examination of nerd early society. I liked it a lot. Okay. <laughs> I noticed that too, but I was also like, I had seen it before. Yeah. So I was like, well, I know that it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, whatever. But I'm glad that you talked about it because yeah. it puts it into words that I can understand. <laughs> Instead of me just going, brain not understand, but I get it. Like, I get it. <laughs> I had to write it out a lot as I was watching because I was like, I have thoughts. I don't yeah. know what they are yet. And so I just kept writing like as I went. And then at the end, I was like, I can synthesize the things that I said maybe and yeah. so it's just a lot of like percolating to be like tossing things back and forth. That was something I forgot about my my first watch. I forgot that they know that it's going to be a bar with yeah. like fucking Nazis there. Like, yeah. or white supremacists. Like, I just completely forgot that they knew about it. I thought that it was, in my head, I kept picturing they get there, they find out, they sing that song, they get pissed, there's a murder. Yeah. So it's like, it still wasn't that involved, but it still had the like, oh, these are punks that would never play the show if they knew. No, they know. They know. <laughs> yep. That's so weird to me. And it's like, I'm not involved in the punk scene, but I have a friend whose partner is in like a hard metal band. Yeah. And so I've gone to a lot of those shows and like I know a bit of that community and yes. they also would never play. A never. Part. Like there's it's no way they would do that. I've been to a lot of like tiny house shows. I've been to a lot of big shows. And every single time there is usually like a lot of people, a lot of yeah. signs that say like none of this, none of no racism, no that. Like you can get the fuck out. Yeah. 
it's very aggressive, but in a good way of being like, we do not tolerate no, this. And it doesn't matter what you have to offer us. I don't care. You're out. Nazi punks fuck off. Yes. So it's very much like, <laughs> I they would never do this. The punks that I know in this community would never. The sleepy time bear would never do this to me. <laughs> the bear would never. <laughs> the sleepy time punk never. would not do this to me. <laughs> the sleepy time punks would never do this. God, not my punks. <laughs> I make it sound like I have like a little group of punks and I'm like, you would never, right? My baby I love punks. you. My little babies. <laughs> but they wouldn't. Um, that's so interesting though. Yeah. That's nice. It doesn't like, once you know about it, it doesn't change the movie. No. It's very much just like, don't look for that. Yes. You're not going to find it. That was my biggest thing. It's like, I'm not saying it makes it a bad movie. I'm no. just saying if you're looking to read this into it, watch a different movie. Yeah. You're just, I feel like you're going to enjoy it less if that's what yes. you specifically want to take yeah. from it. And it's just not going to be there. Yeah. Um, but again, not a bad movie. No. <laughs> I think it's very well done. I have like, once we get to like the technical aspects, there yes. are some things I was fucking obsessed with. I'm glad that you are going to talk about technical things because I specifically just was so excited about the premise of this film, uh-huh. like, and how interesting it is that I just like did not, for once in my life, I was so focused on like gore and the oh, acting. Dude. I just took nothing. I in. was like all into non diegetic sound. Oh, good! And I'm glad. Like camera angles. I was watching it with um, <laughs> my roommate came downstairs while I was watching it, uh-huh. and like they heard something, and they went, "Oh, that's happening in the movie!" And I was like, "Diegetic sound, right?" Because yes. it's in it. Yes, it's yes. yeah. So I was like, "Ha ha!" <laughs> nice. And I was so proud of myself. The gift that just um, keeps on giving. <laughs> oh, right. I'm glad I know those words now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, but I do have my notes. If yes. we're ready for horror, I'm ready. That was um, enough society, do you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good, though. Um, I I will say, uh, my first note was I miss Anton Yeltsin. They really uh, do. I, oh, sorry. Do you want to hear what my first note was? Yes. Should I just make nerd corn about the senselessness of Anton Yeltsin's death? I know. <laughs> I'm like, I almost just... covered that instead, but I was like, no, I should probably talk about neo-Nazis. <laughs> I guess. Sorry. <laughs> that is really interesting, though, because I did not know that about Portland. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. I, I had no idea. It's something I learned pretty recently. Well, because, like, you know, I, was, I, I mean, my whole, not dream, but, like, my yeah. plan has always been to, like, live in Seattle, yeah. and I did not know that. Yeah, and a lot of the Pacific Northwest has, like, bubbles of kinda... that or, like... deters me a bit not a bit a lot um (laughs) it's just interesting because like you'd think that that would be something that people would know about but really they show you this like little rosy thing of it yeah of like look at the trees look how pretty everyone's quirky here and like we recycle everything did not realize hotbed of white supremacist organizing makes me rethink some things yeah (laughs) um but yeah, so my first note, I miss Anton Yachin. Yeah. I do. I really do. I do like that the beginning is so peaceful. It is so pretty. Um, which again, I mean, makes sense. Because like, I feel like it's almost uh, preying on that thing that we already know about yeah. Seattle. It's like, look how beautiful Developing it is. Characters. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's so fucking scary though. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> my next note, I must have skipped some moments because I said the beginning is so peaceful. And then my next note is the fart joke got me. <laughs> I do have a note about that too. <laughs> my hope was that I thought it was improv. Because in the moment, you hear him make the joke, Anton laughs. And then at one point, Aaliyah Shawkat from the beginning just goes, was that real? <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, what if that wasn't planned at all? And this man truly was like, I have a joke. And like, <laughs> I love that for them. It really got me. It's like, 
I knew what he was going to do immediately, but it's the reactions that killed me because Anton's like, mm, like <laughs> I don't think it's planned. It's like surprise laughter. I truly think this man farted. They both were like, what? Because <laughs> Aaliyah just, they don't even show her face. They just hear her going, was it real? <laughs> I, I really don't think this man was going to fart. Method acting. We love it. Method. <laughs> he really leaned into it. It's like, I have to get into character. <laughs> God. Um, also, this is for all my my homies who have seen the movie before. Um, the part where they're driving and they see the sign that says, like, um, beware of dogs. Yeah. And you hear the dogs barking. I'm like, oh, that's ominous. Hated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once you remember what happens, you're like, I hate that so much. Because they just drive past it like, teehee, here we go. And I'm like, you're going to die. Yeah. Um, this movie creeps me out. Everything happens so fast. I think that's what creeps me out the most about the movie is that it escalates very quickly. And it's, oh God, it just goes from like zero to 60. And oh, then yeah. all of a sudden you're like, everything is awful. Like, yeah. <laughs> but again, that that is interesting when you think about what you talked about in Nerd Corner. Because it doesn't seem like that unheard of that it would escalate quickly when you know that it's, you know, these white supremacists and you know that they're violent then it has nothing to do with that. So you're like, this is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whiplash in both directions. We're like, well, of course it escalated fast. These people are known for violence and being terrible, but it has nothing to do it with nothing it. nothing to do with <laughs> so it. So really, <laughs> it's almost like you're not surprised and then you're surprised again. Very interesting. Oh yeah. So, so that was neat. <laughs> now that I've seen Nerd, or listened to Nerdcore, I'm like, huh, I'm learning. I love learning. Um, I do have a very potential scariest moment, like, Ooh. immediately. And it happened so fast that I was like, oh, my God. Maybe like we have the same one. I don't know. Maybe. We might. It just happened early on. And I, I wrote it down being like, here's an early scariest moment that really got me. Okay. Then we have um, another one. Yeah. And then I was like, I haven't found another one. Um, but I will say it's the calmness in every person that I think scared me the most. So this is where I started talking about, like, acting more than I did, like, yeah. special effects. Um, is it Worm when he's just, like, eerily calm? Yeah, Worm. I mean, everybody is. Yeah. Like, everyone has little moments of getting upset. Specifically, I would say, on the white supremacist team. Yeah. Everyone's relatively, like, just calm and yeah. weird. And it freaks me out. Like, the two boys that are stabbing. It's very much yeah. like holding their heads and being like, I didn't even realize he was stabbing him. Yeah. Because there was like no reaction to it. Yeah. And I'm like, that's how they all are. Yeah. And I, so I think the acting in this drives it home for me the most because I'm like, you guys are freaking me the fuck out. Like big Justin is pointing a gun at them. He's like, it's okay. You're fine. Yes. Gabe is doing it. And he's like, I don't know why you're worrying. Gun, gun, gun. Yes, like, exactly. None of them seem to have any like emotion for them at all. Like mm-hmm. no sympathy, no nothing. They don't care. And I'm like, God, that's freaky. And I think it's, interesting how well they portrayed them not caring they care they get scared a little bit when they start to lose like the white supremacists obviously they start to like realize they start to panic a little and it's so cool to watch them go from like yep i'm gonna do this this is what i do to all of a sudden being like fuck yeah (laughs) i think you see it the most with the guy at the very end who goes into the trap he goes in with his gun just like oh we can't we have to do this we got to get it done he's like we don't want to tell dad that we failed right basically and then it's very much like it's a trap yeah i know that duh and he just jumps in without hesitation and then i think there's that moment of oh fuck like i'm just gonna die (laughs) so it's 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 why it's like when people are terrible people and all of a sudden they're begging for their life when they are put in a situation where they might die oh sorry 
it's like that, you know? Yeah. Watching horrible people all of a sudden be like, I won't do it again. Uh-huh. Like, ugh, and that always creeps me out. So the acting in this is so good. Because <laughs> the fear from, I'm sorry, I'm rambling now, but Mm-mm. the fear from the, the band is immediate. I yeah. mean, that happens immediately. Oh, yeah. So to watch them and... I don't want to say an art word, but I'm going to do it. The juxtaposition between... I know, I'm like, oh, she did it! (laughs) But it it is, it's like, you know, the comparison between them being scared the entire time and then watching these, like, white supremacists who are just, this is their life, and not be scared at all until the tables have flipped. And then all of a sudden they're like, we fucked up. (laughs) It's just interesting to watch. Because, like, the dog guy, I don't remember his name right now. I I can't think of it. Uh, But, like, when... Gabe walks in and he's like, I need six hundred dollars. Like you already took out this much. He's like, There's been a murder. And he's like, We still have to balance the books. Right. And it's like okay. It's heartless. Yeah. There's just this heartlessness to them that is so unsettling. And it's like, even when they're not doing something, like you said, when he does that about the books, that freaks me out. Cause it's it's this like it doesn't matter what happens. It's cold calculating. Yes. It when he puts the 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 drug into the dog and like he knows it's gonna kill the dog and he's just like well if he dies with meat in his mouth i'll consider it a favor like because the dog was gonna die anyway right and he was like well i want this dog to go out doing what i wanted to killing people for me so it's like that's nothing to him that's just like that's what the dog does yeah and it's just heartless and they're all like that and it's just oh my god it's freaky this man just murdered this girl and you say okay well let's send him home let's you know, let's yeah. help our brother out. And then Darcy is like, because of his selfishness, we're all in the stew. And it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> not because of his violence. It's right. Because, oh, he was selfish. Oh, he was selfish. Girl. It's not that I wouldn't do that. It's I would have done that better. What, like at a, at a better time? Like I would have locked the door. There, yes, <laughs> there would have been a better reason. Like what about it is absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. Like, and then obviously you get to see Daniel, which is really interesting. He's such an interesting character to yeah. watch. Because I also forgot completely that he was part of this. Yeah. So that was awesome. Uh, spoilers. Sorry, everybody. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers, by the way. Um, yeah. Like when he switches sides, not switches sides really, but he's really in it for himself. Yeah. But obviously the side that's going to help him the most right now is the band. And I think it's so interesting to watch him switch because it shows that heartlessness. Yeah. But he does have a little bit of fear kind yeah. of throughout the whole thing. He was go- He was trying to get out with his partner. Yes. And like they were going to turn on the neo-Nazis. You don't know why. Right. Probably just like for absolution. Not absolution, but like what's the legal term where it's like give me immunity oh, for right. turning over. So like, I can't have- think of the word, but for like, yeah. listen, I've done bad things, but like they are doing worse things currently yeah. kind of thing. And so it's not like, oh, they don't believe in the movement anymore. Or, oh, they've seen evil things. Yeah. They want to get out. It's like they calculated it's time to leave and they got caught and she got killed. Right. But he's an interesting character yes. to watch because it yes. does make, I think the heartlessness of the other character is very obvious because he does have fear kind of the whole time and you can sense it. Like there are just moments where he's a little on edge and it's very slight, but you're like, he's got something. And I think it's interesting that they were able to get that across. And one of the things that I don't get that he does, that I think is actually probably like a complex character moment. He goes in with one of the other skinheads. Yeah. And when he starts talking to them, the dude's like, wait, what? Why are you in on this? And he lets that kid go. Yeah. And it's like, if you wanted to get out of here easier, you should kill that right. white supremacist skinhead because he's going to go tattle on you. Right. So I don't know why you're letting him live. I think you're right about it being this like complex moment because I, I took it as like, um, he doesn't care anymore. 
Because I think he's already fucked at this point. And his, like, lover is dead. Right. I think he's upset that she's dead. So, like, one, that's something he has to take in. But also he's like, I'm so fucked. Like, at this point, I am... This is it. Like, so he basically is like, you go. All He's like, at this point, I might as well just try to help them. I think he's just like, eh. <laughs> he had just gotten confirmation that it was her because yeah. he just knew a girl died and he was right. like it was probably my partner right and that's the moment where he finds out for sure she's like he's in shock i'm not trying to defend him <laughs> but no but i know what you mean yeah. about this like why did he let him go and it's like yeah, yeah. because i think he just like there's nothing left he's no. like given up but also like i can fight for this other side as best i can i'm gonna go out like, shooting to hurt yeah. them as much as they hurt me right it's one less person to deal with yeah too if just like i don't want to deal with another gun like yeah. <laughs> let's get this guy out of here yeah but interesting the acting in this is just so good and also i think it's so funny that so much of it is genuinely green (laughs) it's like on the nose but in a way that i was like yeah that's good the lighting is so green um but it's great it's dark it's like moody but it's not too dark that you can't see anything and it's a daytime venue with very little natural light Mm -hmm. but still light enough yes i loved i loved it i like the moment too where they're like sunlight it's not sunlight at all. It's like just a basement, mm-hmm. but it's just an interesting, I don't know, an interesting hopeful moment that is kind of like hope spot. Still, yeah, right. And it, That's the trope. yeah, and it's like still hopeful a little bit because it is another place to be, but it's locked. Like you're not gonna get anywhere. So that sucked. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm trying to get to any good moments, but really, it just boils down to that I liked the acting so much. Yeah. From everybody. And also I liked, um, I don't know, how accurate they got, like, uh, the, like, punk scene vibes and, like, the walls and everything. I think mm. the set was so, I don't know, well-constructed. Yeah. Because, like you said, they built it, right? They, yeah. they, like... Because the guy, like, when he wrote it, he originally wrote it as, like, this, like, mad dash writing. Something. Like, he finished yeah. it, like, super, super quickly as, like, part of a thing. Right. Could I be more vague? Uh, yes, I'll try. Uh, but he was like, no, I want to do it justice. And the original was, like, more, like, not slapstick, it was, but more absurd. Yeah, and it was also supernatural, I think, right? I think so. The original, it was based on, like, a short thing he did. Yeah. Yeah. And because he'd always wanted to have, like, something happen in a green room. Yeah, he said it was, like, his dream to write something yeah. in a green room. Yeah. And so then he, like, rewrote it to be this gritty downer. Yeah. And as he was writing it, he was writing with the understanding of how the hallways map onto each other, how, like, entrances and exits work. Right. How there's the drug basement and so he was like i can't find a place that does this i have to build it and so like they built it based on his understanding of how navigating it would work i think that's that's, i thought was fucking cool i know i (laughs) I think that's so cool but it's makes it even more impressive that they were able to not only build a place that like he saw in his head that he knew would work but it looks old it looks dingy it looks like places like pissed on (laughs) yes which is i mean clearly it affected me because i saw it in theaters and like hated how uncomfortable it made me feel because i'd been to places that looked just like that yeah and i was like with maybe oh. fewer confederate flags <laughs> yes exactly yeah. like places that had that exact same vibe where it's yes, like they wrote gritty. on the walls it's gritty but everyone is there is so familiar with it too yeah. you know what i mean like it's this weird home away from home that is just kind of disgusting yeah. but you don't care yeah they just captured it so well that it got to me and i think that's so impressive that they built it oh yeah i did not realize that and i think that's wild yeah and the director was in a punk band briefly yes. like yeah. as a youth he also said i think you probably already know but like was very adamant about being like i want music that sounds like it comes from this like 
culture yep. without ever giving any kind of money or anything to white supremacist yes. groups. So he was very, very careful about being like, I want the sound of this kind of music, uh-huh. but I don't ever want it to actually come from that. So yep. it didn't, which is nice. And then he actually had musicians come on and teach the yes. actors how to play. So like the moments where they're playing, mm-hmm. they're actually playing. Yes. Like they, he was like, you're gonna play the song and here's how it's gonna look. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah. So impressive. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Solnier. Mm-hmm. Sol- I don't know if I don't Sol- uh, the, oh the director yeah Saulnier Sol- oh yeah Saulnier Sol- Sol- I don't fucking know <laughs> something mm, Uncle Saul Uncle Saul uh, I don't know where Uncle came from <laughs> I don't know but I like it that's my uncle now uh, but he I was thinking like Better Call Saul and then I was like anyway my brain just did things and I don't know what happened there but um, he said like there were like white power skinheads mm-hmm. at shows and people would just kind of avoid them the best they could but there were always like clashes and he said like once he was gonna go play a gig and there had been a stabbing out front and there was blood pulled on the sidewalk and the gig was canceled and he remembers like stepping over the blood and he like called that out as like a moment where he was like violence <laughs> yeah it's yeah terrifying yeah and i think like he sounded pretty apolitical yeah. In terms of, like, his recounting of it. And I think that that really translated into the ain't rights. Yeah, I see yeah. that. <laughs> um, I think that's also what makes it so scary, too, yeah. is that it is something that is plausible. Yeah. Like, that's why it's so scary. Because we've done... Mm, have we done any movies that are, like, relatively, like, could happen kind of thing? Or have they all been more... I mean, Annabelle, yeah. Yeah, Annabelle, <laughs> that is true. My dolls usually do haunt me, so that's pretty scary. Yeah. Have the number done? of times I've tried to throw a doll down a well and it came back. Do you remember when I went on vacation and that giant shark came up and ate everybody? Mm. Oh, God. Yeah, the Meg yeah. hit me hard The Meg when we did that hard. one. Um, um, <laughs> the calls coming from inside the house. Yeah, okay. Um, I did almost get bewitched by a love witch. That's she true. Did. She did get you. Almost. Yeah. almost. She was like about to dip her tampon in the and urine, then you went, but I oh. stopped it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> other than that um i don't i don't think we've had one quite as realistic yeah potentially with like like scream anything that has like a murderer but usually it's like got that little bit of campiness or like something black that makes christmas it, even has yeah. that like implausibility of no one checked the attic exactly <laughs> oh he, ju- he jumps on the window he's fine like yeah. he's still alive everything has that little bit this one feels the most like even though it is i think exaggerated mm. obviously it, it i mean we know yeah. that violence is like happens yeah. things like that happen very scary. So I was like, oh, it's so contrived that, like, why would they go back in? And, like, why don't they have phones? And it's like, she has the only phone because they are a punk band right. that refuses to put their music online. Yes. So, yes, they have one phone between them. <laughs> and, like, yeah, there are moments like that where it's like, okay, yeah, that's not super plausible. Yes, that maybe wouldn't happen. Okay. But out of all the ones we've seen, it has the most, like, real-life ties, like, the things that, like, could potentially happen. Yeah. So it freaks me out. Oh, Yeah. I hate it. I'm like, bring me back to the sweet world of ghosts. Because I'm like, I would rather Take be back, haunted. Debbie Logan. <laughs> I would rather be swallowed by Grandma Snake than have to deal with that. Ugh. Bring it on Salem's Lot. Oh, no. You know what? No. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. I will stay. <laughs> Salem's Lot bored me to death. Oh, God. What a way to, to go. To undeath? <laughs> Can't get out. Can't anymore. <laughs> my own apartment. I should leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. 
Um, okay, let's see. Uh, oh, another character I find interesting, and then I'll probably just go off of that. Two things. The Foley was juicy. Duh. Mm. Uh, it was like oh, too juicy, <laughs> but it was still good. I mean, it, it fit with the movie because yeah. like obviously you don't have these up close shots of gore. We already talked about that. So what compensates for it? Disgusting sounds. <laughs> he was like, you won't see it, but boy, will you hear it. Oh, disgusting. So that was great. Also, another really interesting character. What is her name? Amber? Amber. Oh, she's interesting. Yeah, she is. <laughs> Scares the shit out of me. Yeah. But she's not even... The moment where she's uh, like, anything that Cherry does, something you don't like, shoot. I'm like, that's so fucking smart. Yeah. Like, goddamn. Like, she is ruthless. I think yeah. it's interesting that she is like this weird gateway between the two groups. Yes. So she has the fear of like the band, but she also has that like heartlessness of knowing what this group is capable of yeah. and matching their energy. Yeah. In and, a way that makes her so interesting. And, like, she thought she had no future as soon as she saw her friend killed. Because, right. Because, like, she witnessed her friend who was trying to get out murdered. And so she knows she's not leaving alive. Right. So, like, from that point, her calmness, to me, can be chalked up to why it's should I even up. fucking try? Right. And, like, obviously, we have qualms with Amber. Right. Because, like, like she, they're like, okay, Ilsa. And, like, they make a joke about her being part of a white supremacist gang and she's like well let's just say that like i don't care about the ideology but the people who are trying to hurt me weren't white and i was like okay well that's still fucking racist as hell right to she's but my understanding of her character is that she sought a group that could protect her at the same time i am not saying that was a good call no it's like (laughs) that was racist white supremacist bullshit what she's doing is not right no but like she's very interesting to watch yes she's she's so scared but it just never finished unwrapping that box no she never I never get her. Like, no. I never understand it. But I'm also like, I just like watching it, though. She's just wild to see. Yeah. When she comes out of the couch, I'm like, oh, my God. Fuck. Everything she does haunts me. Yeah. When the power goes out and she lights the lighter and she goes, careful now. Yeah. Like, she is just haunting. Like, everything about her is haunting. But I think it's because she is already done. Like, she's like, I'm probably going to die. So if I'm going to go out, I might as well go fucking wild. Yeah. And I think we see her slowly get, not confidence, but, like, the same heartlessness that they have in a way. She's like, I'm going to match this energy. When I literally had to cover the screen with my hand as if I was a baby. I went, no! And I put my hand out, and I covered it, and I turned my head when she... Cuts the guy in the box cutter in the stomach. I had to, like, take a little moment. It grossed me the crap out. Um, For anybody that hasn't seen it, uh, she... They've got him in the... They have Big Justin in a chokehold. Chokehold. And it is a very real moment, truth in television. It takes a long time to suffocate someone or to strangle someone. And I don't even know if they're trying to... I thought that they were trying to, like, make him pass out. Me too. And they kind of got that, but then he was still breathing. And he started coming to, and they're like, okay, tell me when he's out. So, like, then I think they realized, fuck, we have to kill this guy. You can tell that they're... She's like, how long does it take? And I think they're alluding to, like, him dying. But you don't know that. It's kind of... It's gray area. Yeah. It's definitely up to interpretation yeah. in that moment. Until it's not. Until she's like, I can make this quicker. And she pulls, like, she grabs the box cutter and she cuts him from navel to sternum. Ugh. And she does it so, so calm and so calmly. I, she's crying is the thing. She's yeah. upset. She but she's like doing it so, like, quietly. She's crying. And she's doing it with such ease, too. Yeah. That's what grossed me out. There's no, there's no, like... I don't want to be gross, but there is no, like, uh, tension. Like, there's nothing. It's a stop it. Yes, there's no resistance. She just goes, like a zipper. 
And it's like disgusting. Yeah. I have effortless a is. note about that moment because like we have the commentary on like how quickly things can fall apart. Yeah. But often we don't get when things fall apart quietly. Yeah. Because that scene is so quiet. There's nothing. Because they're like, how long does it take? And then she's just like very And there's easily, no sound. No. And so it's like things can fall apart silently. Yeah. And that is absolutely terrifying. If, if they hadn't been watching, nobody would have known she had done it, mm-hmm. is the thing. Like, it, oh, that part gets me. Oh, God, yeah. Creeps me the crap out. And I think it's because it's so silent, so easy. And it's like, that's it. I think that's when they were like, this is it. Like, yeah. none of us are either going to live or be okay after this. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. Okay, and I think that's it. Those are most of my notes. Everything okay. else I'll just jump in with. But I'm excited to hear what you had to say because you actually <sighs> talked about the things that I missed. <laughs> okay. So there are a few times that they do this and I'm fucking obsessed with it. Yeah. And it's like starting off, you mentioned it, when they're like driving in the cornfield and like when they're on the bicycle and like yeah. all these times they're doing something that is just like slice of life moment. Mm-hmm. They have this like classical music over it. Yeah. And it's kind of like this wistful building of music across scenes showing their camaraderie. Yeah. So it's showing community. It's showing like the grittiness or whatever of their scene. Right. But it's like, yeah, we're going to siphon some gas. Yeah, we're going to stay in a stranger's apartment. Yeah, like these are all the things that we're doing and it shows their closeness. Like the fart is just like this moment Incredible. where they're all like brought together. So like it has so much relationship right. building, but also it shows these moments where it's objectively not a pretty sight, but it has gorgeous music over it. Yes. And it's so the I, background's beautiful. Like And so like that juxtaposition yeah. of like the gritty visuals with this smooth, beautiful classic music yeah. over it, I thought was amazing to show. And then like when they have the mosh pit, they play that same music over it. You yeah. don't get to hear the little no. song they're playing. You see everyone in this community. And so you see different types so of community. Quiet. Because I'm not saying white supremacists are a good community, but no. it is a type of community. It's community. And you see their community building with like the punk scene. Right. Because they're like, okay, well, we met you probably on an online forum. Right. With other punks. You're doing this interview for us. That's amazing. Like, And we're going to trust that you're a safe place for us to be. And so you get to see the different ways that they build community and the way they communicate. Yeah. And like all these different things. And it has this like music behind it that is just so jarring, but also beautiful. Haunting. Like, it's so scary. And like, one of my favorite things about the Ain't Rights is that they bickered over little shit. Yeah. Like, they would get salty about random ass shit. But when stuff started going down, they showed how much they actually care about each other. So like, yeah. when Pat, like, starts to hand the gun out the door, and then mm-hmm. they machete the fuck out of his arm, almost cut his hand off. He starts having a panic attack once they close the door. Mm-hmm. Valid. I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Not judging you, Pat. <laughs> Calm down. And Reese, who has previously been this hothead, is mm-hmm. like calm in the moment because he's like, they make a joke like, okay, jujitsu. And he's like, no, no, I actually do know jujitsu. Right. And so like he's managing a situation and Tiger goes over to Pat and is counting his breaths for him. He's helping him calm down. Yes. And Pat's crying and saying, I'm sorry, I lost the gun. He's like, you held on longer than I would have done. Yeah. Like, and it's like. Hurt? In that moment, it would be so easy to blame to just, him. Yeah, exactly. And to be like, I can't believe you're stupid enough to open the door. I can't believe what you Right. But at every moment, they're asking each other for consent to do things. Yes. And they're like, do we agree to do this? Do we think this is the best yeah. choice? How do we want to handle this moment? It is like the most teamwork. Yeah. I, and also, uh, I would say like uh, trust yeah. within each other too because there's that moment when they're like we can we choose a voice please to speak and no one says anything but Anton's character what's his real name Pat Pat, Pat just knows he's yeah. like kind of gets like oh of course it's me but 
it's this it's knowing look where everyone's like, well, we know it's going to be you. And yeah. he's like, yeah. Which is funny because he's the quiet, shy one. Yes. <laughs> but Reese is a hothead. But they know. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like they know each other so well that like within that moment, no matter how scary it is, they yeah. were like, okay, you are the one that will speak because we know that you are the best at doing this. Yeah. They all have something that yeah. they're good at. And like there's never a moment where one is like, I don't care. I'm doing this. Like you get that in the kind of very end. Is it? Reese the hothead? Yeah, so Reese, like, at one point, they're like, should we split him? He's like, I don't fucking know. Like, we might not all live, but we might not all die. At that point, like, there isn't, there isn't supposed to be a cohesive plan. Right. Because they know I think at that point, work. It's, it's, nothing's gonna work. But so it's it doesn't matter, not, but. like, betraying each other. It's no. not selling each other out. It's like, we all agreed that this is the only path right. forward. And it's We all went paths. out the door together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, like, that was something that I just really loved. That like, is really great. Because... It's just so easy to not be kind in those moments. Yes. And they chose kind. And I'm just like, oh, I love that. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a few, like, visuals mm-hmm. in the film that I really loved. So the first one is when they're staying at Tad's place and mm-hmm. they're, like, um, they're pulling out beers and they're like, oh, we're going to get drunk. And Pat's yeah. like, I want to go to bed. And you just look at the record player and they start the record mm-hmm. and then it's done. Yeah. And it's, like, at the end and it shows people waking, but it's still has it centered on the record player someone goes over they move it yeah and then you follow pat's back as he answers the door and like i thought that moment of showing time had passed by the record mm-hmm. going from just started the record to it's skipping at yes. the end i thought that was a really great time skip yeah. because it was visually appealing to me yeah but it was also just like it felt true to the scene yes of like, yeah yeah it drove it forward without like feeding you the moment of being like we, you know they partied. We don't need to have a scene for it. Yeah. It would be unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. It felt, like, true to them. And it wasn't, like, the, uh, what is it? Like, spring-loaded, like, wake-up-from-a-nightmare moment. Like, yeah, yeah. It avoided a lot of cliches. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then when they're driving into the bar, mm-hmm. you see it from the perspective of Pat in the back seat. Yeah. Because you see the two people in the front seats and you see through the windshield. Yeah. And you might see him turn his head, but you only see it through the limited range of what he's seeing as they drive into this compound, basically. And I thought that was a really brilliant limitation of the view. Really great. Because it's like, we're only going to see what the characters would see in this moment. Right. And we will feel constrained because we only see what they see. And it is like, there's so much happening. There's a limited amount you can take in. You're overwhelmed. You're scared. You're in a place you don't know. You only get to see what they see. Ugh. And that got me. <laughs> it's so good. Very uh, effective. And then it, my last part that I really loved in terms of like the visual is when um, Pat or maybe it's Reese. I don't remember who it is, but they're going through Amber's friend's body. Pat. Uh, and they like you see him, but he's mostly in the background. The mm-hmm. foreground is the table yeah. and he's pulling things out and putting, them, putting on the them on table, and she's being reduced to her possessions. And it's, like, it's a way of avoiding gore, but it's also, like, we're taking what we can get from this thing, this person. Yeah. And it's, like, the reduction of her isn't, like, it's not out of malice. It's out of desperation. Yeah. And it's just this very, like, chilling moment. It's extra chilling, too, because he does tell her friend. You know what I mean? Like, he could have, like you said, they chose kindness. He could have easily gone over and just started searching and had a moment where she's, like, stop doing that. Yeah. But it was very much, like, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. Because, like, that's all we have left. And she's very much like, yep. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's just haunting. And seeing all of her, like, possessions be put on the table, like you just said, it reduces her without having to show the gore. Because, like, I feel like that's what people usually use is, like, this used to be a person and now they're just a mangled face. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it's kind of too much. 
So doing that so yeah. much more effective. That's so, great. Like I thought that was a great moment. And yeah. then I have silly notes. Yes. Uh, to top us off. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Amber and her box cutter name a more iconic duo. <laughs> <laughs> they love each other. They do. Oh, and then God. at the end, they both are like, before they walk into the field, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, so what are we going to do about guns? And they were like, we have two guns. And he was like, I can take the shotgun. And she's like, I've seen you pump a shotgun. And he's like, you're right. He hands her the shotgun. And he goes in with a teeny one. No room for toxic <laughs> masculinity here. And so like, she's just like big old shotgun. And he's like, I got a two shooter. <laughs> and he loves it. He's like, yeah. hey, it's my little gun. <laughs> he's like, this is good for me. He's so happy with it. And then the fucking moment. This is the funniest. Well, it's not the funniest moment. There are so many funny moments. There are. But she shoots the dog guy. And he's like, oh, that's what we're doing? And she's like, what do you think we were doing? He's like, I, I was going to trash the crime scene. And she was like, oh. I thought we were going to make a new one. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, that one got me. I think the funniest oh, that's moment, what we're though, doing. is when Big Justin is like, why didn't you just tell me? Like, I know. <laughs> it's such a quiet, like. Fuck it, come on. And okay, it's so like, under- It's not like this big hammy, like, oh, if no one told me, he's just, why didn't you fucking tell me? Like, I'm like, loading the gun. <laughs> it's like, Darcy was there the whole it's time. It's an you easy thing, something. like. <laughs> they're just it's really. so funny. There's also another moment that makes me laugh that probably shouldn't, because I think it's kind of haunting. Oh. But it's this moment where, I can't remember his name, but it's the guy who goes in and is like, hey, I need more money. Like, uh, that's Gabe. Gabe. So when Gabe is like cleaning things with his apron and his gloves. He's the, uh, the uh, what's, clueless janitor. When he walks into the room and he's got the gloves and he's got, the, and he's just like, huh, all right. <laughs> so like, things are bad for me now. It's like, it's not good because like a bunch of bad things have happened, but this to see him cleaning like with his little outfit and then he's just like, uh-oh. I might, I keep oh, saying dude. this is the funniest moment, this is the funniest moment. Yeah. A funny moment is when shit is going south for the neo-Nazis and like Amber climbs out of the couch, cuts him up, like not going well. Oh. And as they're like screaming and dying actively, yeah. you jump to Gabe who is like power washing the floor and it's power washing. The trope is oblivious janitor right. cut because it's like you see it. violence and then you cut to like vibe right. music or whatever. But he's, he's just like know. power washing. He can't hear it. And no. that was so fucking funny. It's grim as hell. It's grim. It's it's almost like, can I laugh? Like, it's like am I allowed to this laugh? This movie right now? asks the begging question. Can yeah. I laugh? Like, can I? Me. The entire time I was like, mm-hmm. oh. I know, because I'm like, mm-hmm. and this is like, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. funny. <laughs> like, it's just like another moment that's like, it's not funny. But when a dog's biting her leg, she's smacking it with the microphone, and I'm like, the dog doesn't care at all. It's no. just like, stop. Like, like, it's just, when they're it's talking about awful cartridges versus bullets. Oh my god, I I'm love like, that. Guys got gun jokes. Like, <laughs> like this has six cartridges. The bullet is the thing that's going to go in your brain. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, why are you a dick? My <laughs> What's the other one when he's like He's like, you're going to sit crisscross applesauce. applesauce. And then he's like, what are you going to do? I'm going to sit crisscross applesauce. Like, <laughs> he doesn't want to say it. Killed me because when I grew up, we had the racist term for yes, it. Yes, right. And so like when I started hearing that, I was like, Okay. okay. And then I was like, oh, no, it's good that you replaced that because it was very racist. What am I going to do? And now, I'm like hearing a grown man named Big Justin who was just like <laughs> threatened to shoot them. He's like, I'm going to sit crisscross applesauce. And then he does. I, and then there's also the moment where he's like, empty your pockets. Turn them out. And then he has the knife and she goes, good call. I'm like, <laughs> that was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> In the moment, she's just like, nice. And I'm like, you guys are so cute. So clueless. But also, 
oh my god yeah like this is the worst and they're like keep going and they're like oh it got worse cool (laughs) exactly it's just funny but it's not funny but it's funny this movie is so funny like and obviously i I mean i i know it's the biggest joke of the thing but my favorite is still the end when he's like i know it gives a shit (laughs) yeah that's someone who gives a shit. Like, she very much was like, I'm on your side, but I, I reluctantly. Don't She's like, yeah. I don't care about you at all. <laughs> I love the paintball story. I think that's a great moment where she's like, finish it. Finish your pep talk. Yeah. And he's, they're like, all right, let's do it. Yep. The paint. Well, he's so like, unnecessary. Yeah, he jumps. I was like, what? Just. <laughs> <laughs> he's just running around going. <laughs> It's really good. The paint is so unnecessary. It does nothing. They took time uh-huh. out of being murdered. She like, to grabs be like, a Sharpie and she's like, I know go. what we have to do now. And it's like, you didn't have to do that part, but I love that you were like, this will help. Yeah. Because like she gives him her jackets and they yes. shave his head so he looks more like a skinhead. Right. But they also Sharpie his face. And I was like, yes. he looks arguably less like a skinhead now. So from behind, you're like, who's this? Yeah. And he's like, ha! ha! He turns around with his little face and you're like, oh my God. In that moment, I replaced him in my heart with Elijah Wood. <laughs> he became very Elijah in that yeah. moment. But I, I just, it, it's funny. And when she keeps putting the feet down and she's like, one shot left. And he shoots the leg and she goes, zero. And it's not even her. It's her uh-huh. friend. Also a good moment. A very intense moment of oh, being God, like yeah. reducing her again. But now she's helping kind of thing. Very yep. interesting. But also very funny because yeah. she does it multiple times. And he's like, good try. And she's like, <laughs> she looks so mad in that moment. It yep. cuts to her face. And she's like, it didn't mm. work. Like, <laughs> asshole. I, well, the first time <sighs> she uses like the, his comrades boots. Yes. Yeah. And, and he's like, she's. Like, okay, well, I bet you don't think I'll use my dead friend. Let me show right. you. And that part's creepy as hell, but also hilarious because she's like, ha Like, <laughs> she's so, like, proud of herself. Yeah. Oh, God. She's like, smirk. And also the great moment of, like, the battling over this shotgun. And I'm like, he, both of them are just so oblivious that yeah. there's another person who can murder this man. Yeah. And she's like, boom, boom, two shots. And then she's like, okay, let's go. Yep. <laughs> It's fun to see Anton be so out of his element. Or, like, Pat oh, yeah. be so, like, whatever you tell me to do. Yeah. And she's like, mm-hmm. It's like, I worship the ground you walk on, Amber. Pretty much. <laughs> In this moment, he's like, I love you, Amber. Like, <laughs> And she's like, no emotions. She's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. One of my favorite things about this movie is that there's no romance. I oh, love God, that. No. And it's so good. I mean, like, why would there be? You know what I mean? Too, yeah. is I'm like... If there had been, it would have been so forced. It would have been, been so like, contrived. You're and telling me that this guy is in love with this girl who's like in a neo-Nazi group, really? Like, no. no. <laughs> I like to me, it was like, okay, so they skipped the contrived romance yes. for like tension kiss, and I'm like, I don't want that. Want I'm it. glad you didn't do that. It was very much like I worship everything you're doing because I can't do it, <laughs> and I need help. He's like, I'm so glad that you're a lot smarter than me about this. Yeah, literally, and it's yeah. great. So. That's, yeah. Those are my notes. Those are my notes, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm i so excited for tropes. <laughs> Scariest moment first. Oh, no. I had to choose. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. I have one because it was just like a jump scare that got me, even though I've seen it before and I knew it was coming, it still got me. But like, I'm sure that there's a more creepy moment. That's the thing. I'm like, I'm sure that there's a more creepy yeah. moment, but I just, uh, the one that's happened in the beginning, nothing ever really topped it. Yeah, I cho- okay, so mm-hmm. mine is when Daniel gets shot. Yep. Because he's like, I know something they don't know. I know where the guns are. But he doesn't so say fast. all of that. It's 
they just fucking headshot him. It's so cool. And he's just gone. And it's like this moment where it's like, how fleeting life is. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like and a jump scare, but it was also shocking. And then it's, it's like, oh, it's... hope shot. Yeah. And so it was like that moment was just like, huh. Yeah. Like everything And clenched. they do not let you dwell on it. No. They're like, that's it. Move on. Yeah. Which is like, I'm thankful for because I don't want to see it. But I'm yeah. also like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So that's my scariest moment. That was my potential one. Yeah. But then this one, just nothing ever topped it for me. Um, It's the uh, moment when they're in the green room and everything has not gone to full shit yet. And then poor, what's her real name I, in the in the movie? I call her Aaliyah Shawkick because that's her name. Oh, shit. I don't remember her name. I know. I'm an idiot. What is I, her name? I, I knew it until you asked me. So let's see. I'm just so curious. Uh, Sam. Sam. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, so when Sam is like, well, maybe she's not dead. Like, there's not a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. So then he, oh, is it Worm? Worm. <sighs> worm walks over and pulls the knife out of her head, but he doesn't just pull it out quick. He, he like drags her. her body. So that's disgusting. One, because it's she's like... She's being limply dragged by a yes. head wound. And it's like, she's not alive. You know that. But in your head, you're like, ow, ow. Like, it's gotta hurt. That's disgusting. It's just gross to see that. And then he pulls it out and then he just calmly goes, there it is. Yeah. There's the blood. And it's so yep. gross. Chilling. Nothing got me more than that because yeah. I was so grossed out by one, how her body moved, and then two, how much he was just like, oh no, don't worry. Like, she's yeah. dead. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many more moments that got me. Like, definitely other things, but for some reason, that one sticks in my head the most. Yeah. I remembered it even before the, the rewatch. I was like, there's something I don't like. What part is it? And then it happened. And I went, it was that one. Yep, yep. <laughs> I was like, something haunted me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> what was the one that also haunted me from another movie where I was like, what is it that haunts me? And then it happened. Oh, it was, uh, it was from, yeah, what's it? Dear, uh, Annihilation. Devil. Oh, Annihilation. It was Annihilation, the bear. Okay, yeah. That one haunts, I think about it like weekly. So the, now that I remembered it, now I've got two. They can haunt me together. Oh, they're what was the other one that you were miming? Oh, I was being the deep throating a child's noggin. Oh yeah, that one. The that one's good. Jaw. Yeah. yeah, but nothing quite like the bear scream. I mean, I'll think about the, bear the, scream the noggin we'll though. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're all thinking about the. I think noggin. We're all thinking about the noggin a little. <laughs> Be honest, who here doesn't think about the noggin? Come on, guys. Come on, show hands. You're among friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tropes. <laughs> Tropes. Okay. So there's a trope called affably evil. Mm-hmm. And it's when someone is evil, but they're super polite. Or like. Yes, yes. They're like, they do evil things, but they're actually like, oh, no, no, I would never like hit a dog. Like, I actually right. don't want to be doing this. It really sucks that I have to hurt you like this. It's mm-hmm. so like affable evil is when like their actions, like they're doing bad things. They're on the bad side, but they're actually like a nice person. Right. So affably evil is when they are Darcy. And they sound very reasonable. He's so scary. And he's like, can I, can you hear me if I speak at this level? Right. He's like, sorry, my voice is getting hoarse. Yeah. And he's like, that gun was a gift. Like, I would really appreciate it not being found. And also if you'd give it back to me. Like, he sounds so reasonable. And like, every time he starts talking, you're like, oh no, I'm getting sucked in. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's not just They are going to let him go. He sounds, he sounds like he could be kind. Right. And like genuinely sounds like, sounds like he yeah. could potentially be nice. And it sounds like he is considering their best interest at the same he's considering his own. We know he's not. Right. But like he is not 
actually a good evil person and he, yeah. but he sounds like it so he's faux affably evil there is that really chilling moment too where um they're like okay we've decided we'll give you the gun for a phone and he literally goes huh no we can't do that like it's so immediate like huh, i can't believe you've been no. asked and i'm like oh he's not as nice as i thought <laughs> it's like he's playing three-dimensional chess and everyone else is like checkers right <laughs> <laughs> yes. King me. <laughs> Everyone else is uh, not even a little bit close. <laughs> nope. Uh, okay. okay. So then we had some subverted or averted mm-hmm. tropes. Uh-huh. Uh, so the averted one is bottomless magazines, which is not about reading magazines. It's yeah. about cartridges and a gun. And so, like, usually it's like endless bullets. Like, it's get yeah. best on Left for Dead, too. Yeah. You know? But in this one, like, they count bullets out loud. Okay. Glad Pretty you said it everyone. wasn't magazines. Because in my head, I was like, when did they read a. So many people in us. It's like, wow. Yeah. Just like Cosmopolitan in the background. Time. I'm an idiot, truly. National Geographic. <laughs> How many magazines can I name? It's like, what are they reading? <laughs> Good housekeeping. You know, all of them. Yeah, all yeah. the classics. Uh, Home and Garden. Women's Health. <laughs> Farmer's Almanac, just for fun. <laughs> we throw it in. We throw it in. Yeah. Uh, so they averted that instead yeah. went counting bullets. And so it was very, like, firmly, like, no, this we is know. going to be very realistic oh, about they talk about it multiple times. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Uh, and then we have two subverted ones that I looked at. First is Chekhov's gunman. And mm-hmm. so Chekhov's gunman is like this person that you see that will later become relevant mm-hmm. and you see them because they will become relevant. Yeah. So it's like Chekhov's gun, but the gunman. Right. And you think it's going to be that. So it's foreshadowing. Oh. Uh, because the dog walking down the road, the dog that survived yeah. longer than you think it should have. Yeah. And you think... The dog is going to follow, 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 attack them. Right. And they think once they see the dog on the farm, like, they like point ah. their guns at it. They try to shoot it. They're both out of bullets. And the dog just walks past and doesn't give a shit, lays down lays with down. its owner. Ugh. And so like a subverted trope. Right. Uh, air vent passageway. Yeah. They bring it up a few times. Like, so many times. Maybe we can fit through that one. They're like, that's too small. There's no way. And she's like, maybe. maybe. And so they're like, no, no one can fit through air vents. They say it so many times. So yeah. they're just like, stop it. <laughs> You're not going to fit. No. <laughs> And I just really love subversion of tropes. Mm-hmm. And I think that they did a lot with this one. Um, yeah. So I like that. They did. Uh, badass bystander. Oh, Amber. Amber. So it's when someone that just happens to be there. Right. So like if you're looking at like a typical city scene, your heroes of the story are going to be skilled in some way. That's how yeah. they've survived that far. But you don't anticipate that any bystander is going to have skills. Right. Or that they will be the one to save your life. <laughs> And then Amber comes through with her box cutter. Man. And loves that box cutter. She loves that box cutter. And the box cutter loves her. I think so. Yeah. Uh, so she's the badass bystander yeah. in that she has skills that you do not anticipate. Sure uh, does. Bad guy bar. Bar full of bad guys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, bar full of bad guys? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this one I get. Yeah. Uh, bookends. This one was cool. So the movie yeah. opens with shit and ends with shit. Yeah. Yeah. So like it opens That's up so with funny. them crashing the cornfield. It ends with Tell someone who gives a shit. Yeah. So, like, it has the shit bookends. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, boom, headshot. Yeah. Oh, yes. pretty. Yeah. That one's... Brick joke. So, when they set up the joke, so the uh, Desert Island Band, yeah. where they set it up a few times, and then at the very end, he's like, I thought of mine. <laughs> I was so mad. I wanted to know it so bad. I was like, it's say it. CCR. Yeah? Yeah, they, like, that's the first song that plays in the credits is Creedence Clear- Clearwater Revival, I think. And so they, like, I think the director has said it's one of two things. It's either CCR or something else. That's so funny. Yeah. I do love that he's like, I don't, I don't know when they're doing the interview. And he's like, I don't really know. I'm yeah. not sure. Like, <laughs> he clearly doesn't have his little fake answer ready. And mm-hmm. I think it's so funny. I love when Amber's like, Madonna and Slayer. Yeah. And she's like, Madonna 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Amber. As a character, she's so interesting. Yes. Uh, Chiaroscuro? Uh, the Chiaroscuro. There it is. Uh-huh. I was like, you've said this before, and my confusion is the same. <laughs> yeah, so when she has the lighter in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, oh, it's used very dramatically, like, yes. the light in the dark, all that. Uh, defector from Decadence and Villain by Default. These mm-hmm. are two that I think really are interesting yeah. to me because, like, it points out that this is an apolitical film, pretty right. much. Um, so, like, Gabe switches sides not because of any firmly held belief, but because he doesn't want to go to prison. That's it. <laughs> His previous alliance doesn't work for him anymore, so he's going to side with the people that are winning. So that's Defector from Decadence. And then the Villain police. by Default <laughs> is that they're villains because they're Nazis, but their ideology isn't what is being yeah. fought against. Yeah, exactly. So it's like they're just labeled as that. And they actually are villains. It's not right. like, it's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We're not wrong when we say that. Funnily enough, yeah. <laughs> uh, dwindling Party. Yep. Uh, dissonant Serenity. So like when Worm is like, what was that second to last song? Yes. That's what oh. I did her too. Oh, that yeah. moment is horrifying. Worm's a really scary character. Yeah. Or like any of the moments where they're like, um, why are we calm? Like, shouldn't we be freaking out? Yeah. Like, I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. There's so many yeah. good moments like that. Uh, okay, and then this one, I was like so happy that it finally fucking came up Yay. in a way that was accurate. So remember when I read you that poem, For Want of a Nail, the horse, yes. you know, whatever. So it's like, it starts off with, we couldn't shoe the horse because we didn't have a nail for it. And then the entire war was lost because this right. horse couldn't deliver this wagon for this thing, for yes. this thing. For want of a phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of it would have happened to them. If they just left. If he hadn't gone back for the phone. Yep. Because the only reason that any of that happened is that he witnessed something and then Gabe was the one that responded to it and then something and then something. And just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Yep. That is, Um, it's just anything that does that is always heartbreaking. Oh God. Yeah. Where it's it's like, no, (laughs) don't do it. It's like, why did you get your Frappuccino that day? Like if you hadn't done that any other time. Yep. Uh, so finally that one occurred. Yay! Uh, and then Hope Spot, mm-hmm. we talked about that improvised weapon. Yeah. Uh, Sam, like, grabs a light. Yeah! Like, one of the, like, long bulbs. Yes. And she, like, smashes against something like, to, like, eh. meh. That's great. Uh, and, like, the entire thing, they're, like, improvising weapons. Yeah. The box cutter was a weapon, but right. it was, you know, rehomed. Rehomed. Uh, <laughs> oblivious uh, janitor cut. Yeah. And honestly, my fucking favorite of this entire film was the running gag of that is against fire code. That's a fire hazard. It was so good. Fire code violations. Fire code violations. He was just pointing. Like, That's, That's fire code. I was like, <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. That was such a good gag. I fucking loved it because I was like, I know that's going to come back. Like, I know the fire oh code God. violation is going to come back. And I couldn't remember if they set the club on fire. Right. And that's why it was relevant. But it's Darcy going through. He's like, that's, that's a fire, fire code, code. Like, the guy's really serious about it. Yep. He is. Like, he is very serious about it. That's not the lie. No. I thought it was a lie to be like, don't go in that room. Like, we have to keep it secret. He's <laughs> really much. Just, yeah. And he does it. He's like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Another moment that I think we didn't talk about that's very funny. It doesn't have to do with this trope. I just mm-hmm. thought about it. Is when they open the door and they, she goes, and they throw the light. And there's, there's no one there. there. And they're all like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's better because now they can get out. But like, <laughs> the light just chucks. Fucking amazing. Oh, it's good. Those are my tropes. That's a good one. I'm so... <laughs> Fire code violation is very good. I have one other potential idea for a rating scale. What is it? Flabbergasted motherfuckers. Because when he says, you flabbergasted that motherfucker, I was like, he does. <laughs> 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 flabbergasted. 
orgasmed at that motherfucker. I just had, I stopped having words. I just put it in all oh caps. It's like, this moment made everything in me sing. <laughs> it's just, it's true. <laughs> <sighs> I think I still like fire code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's really good. Yeah. Oh my God. Does that mean it's time? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think I've got mine. Okay. Are you One. ready? Okay. Oh, <laughs> all right, all yeah. right. Yeah. Um. Now I'm like, should I just change it to five? You. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just. I was like four, and then I was like, for what reason though? Yeah. And my reasoning was what we learned in Nerd Corner. Yeah. I was like, I do kind of hate that. Yeah. But if you just watch it, well, to be clear, what we chose. Sorry, both of us oh, chose five. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah. I chose four originally because of what we learned earlier yeah. for Nerd Corner. I was like, it is kind of upsetting to be like no punk band i really like you know what i mean i'm yeah. like it hurts to watch someone yeah. be like i'll still play the show even though they're nazis no but if you can just watch this and just remember that it is not making any kind of political statement yep. this movie fucking kicks ass oh my god yeah <laughs> it is so good i mean i think that it is a good movie for people who don't like gore but mm. still want that intense like movie you know because like a lot of intense intense thrillers are gonna have violence and that's just if you don't want a supernatural movie usually i feel like it's always you get one or the other yeah not always sometimes you get like a good mystery but if you want a really intense movie that is not supernatural i feel like it's always going to be a lot of gore yeah and this one is just so nice because it's that nice sweet spot where i'm like i can watch this and not be like it's gory again here we go yeah it's every like it says, like he said in his interview, he's like, every piece or every moment of violence is very intentional and is done for a reason. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. That's why I love it. Yeah. I mean, the acting is incredible. Everybody oh was so interesting to watch. Yeah. They all had such interesting personalities, not just together, but separately. So good. Yeah. When Patrick Stewart read the script, mm-hmm. he said that like, he was reading it on his like country manner or whatever. Yeah. And he like sat down and he started reading it and then he got up, he locked all of his doors, turned on his outside lights, and then sat back down and finished reading the entire script that night. And he was like, <gasps> then I immediately said yes. He flew out like a few days later. Like the turnaround time between him getting the script and starting the acting was like less than a month. That's hilarious. And he Darcy isn't in a ton of scenes. And no. so he actually almost never interacted with them offset, except for one time when the other oh. actors tax or like uh, their car didn't show up, and so they rode with him in his oh, car. Yeah, and they had like a lovely conversation. But oh, that was pretty nice. much the extent of his right. like camaraderie with the other cast. And he was like, <laughs> "I think that really showed because like you're isolated in Portland. You only know the people that you're in scenes with." Like, right. So anyway, like the actual filming, so I thought that was super cool too. Yeah, but um, yeah, I forgot like why I went off on that tangent. <laughs> I was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so is that your... Yeah, that's okay. my... Yeah. So, like, I have qualms. Like, oh, we yeah. talked about it. So, like, I think exactly what you said. Like, if you're not watching it for, like, any political meaning, I think, like, if I was looking at it and judging it based on, like, I think that it reinforces these politics or these, like... Right. I'd give it a different rating. Right. Uh, and then, it, like, the N-word is used by a neo-Nazi, and so it's not used by a protagonist, but it's still, I think, I don't like when white people say that word at so all ever. So the R word is used as well, and I, I find was it gonna very get unnecessary. To that one, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. there are three different slurs that I noticed. There might have been more. Probably, but they yeah. drop the N-word at least twice, yeah. and it's by a neo-Nazi. Yeah. And then a neo-Nazi also says the F slur. Yes. But then one of the protagonists says the R word. Yeah. And I was like, okay, all of these words are bad. <laughs> right. None of these people should have been saying it. But, like, when the protagonist says it, it, a slur, it hits yeah. different. Because it's, like, 
you expect it from the neo-nazis the neo-nazis because yeah. yeah like they think those are good words to use they're fine yeah but it's like no not from the no like because no. <laughs> at least you can not at least but like you can believe it from them and it yeah. makes sense and it's like okay yeah i don't like it but Where like they would the say that evil ideology right and so you're like i can connect this evil character with this awful word that they yes. never should have said but don't make the people that i am supposed to like care about and root for yeah. say something so horrible yeah um because we talked about that in jennifer's body too it oh, just yeah. felt unnecessary yeah so like yeah like i have my qualms <laughs> yes right like oh, yeah <laughs> absolutely there are qualms yeah <laughs> I think that visually this movie was absolutely stunning. So pretty uh, I in a creepy way. The score. I thought yes. the way they used diegetic and non-diegetic sound was incredible. Yeah. I think that it is so hard to get that level of dry humor to come across. I yeah. thought that the way that they cut away from gore after just a quick visual, like I thought that technically this movie was great and I thought yes. that like it was entertaining, it like was emotive, like it was everything that I wanted from a movie. Yes. Uh so like issues but also like technically visually compelling to me yeah so i give it uh five fire code violations that's a perfect 10 fire code violations that's 10 whole fire code violations and it's we can never open a bar with that many fire no code god violations. no <laughs> we just can't but it yeah it's just good it's just entertaining to watch it has the rewatch i think yeah. because you miss a lot of things and yeah. also like there's little moments that i think are purposefully for people who have seen it like with the you know the beware of dog and seeing that and and it's interesting. Flyer. Yes. Like, like when you see the flyer and it's like, oh, you know, I te- I usually keep the original, but since this never happened, I'll take it to you. And like you see them looking and you're like, that's going to come back. Yep. And then it does in the field. Yeah. When they're seeing their friend's dead bodies. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Perfect 10. Fire yeah. code violation. Fire code violations. I loved it. And I want to say thank you, patrons. Thank you, We patrons. knew you were going to pick this pretty yeah. much immediately. Yeah. Uh, we gave the list, and I looked at Kate, and I went, so we're watching Green Room. Yes. And I was like, we know that now. We yeah. can go ahead and just make peace with that, because oh, yeah. it's good as hell. <laughs> I We put it on there knowing people would choose yes. that, and we were like, we still want to do we this. We still want to do this. I was like, I'm giving you the choice, but we already know what the answer yeah. is. Um, and also, thank you, everybody, for being very understanding about oh, our God. power outages. Um, that was fucking miserable. It's been like a long time since we put an episode out, yeah. because... We weren't expecting to have our power out for like a full week in nope. the middle and, of summer. And <laughs> and then I was out of country the yeah. next week. And, and so it's like we had planned so carefully and then we lost power for days. It was And it threw awful. everything off. You were on vacation. I had just started a new job. Oh. And like everything had just been like, oh no. Like no. it was just like, and you know, I'm out of town like next weekend. So it was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> there was just so much that we had to work around and people were very nice about it. So super understanding and we're very grateful. Yeah. Very glad. Like we don't love going this long without mm-hmm. like posting something, but we were just like, it's just a mess. It's impossible. It was a mess. So yeah. it's fixed now. <laughs> yes. Very happy to be back. I have power. <laughs> I've got power. If I go home and I don't, I'm throwing a fit, but we do. We do. Mm-hmm. Thank God. <laughs> um. But yeah, thank you, patrons. Yes, thank you. Good pick. So that wraps up our discussion of the patron pick, Green Room. It sure does. If you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcast. You can rate and review anywhere. Yeah. Apple Podcast is the one that like really helps people find us, but yeah. anywhere you want to rate and review, anywhere we love. fine. Yeah. I We love reading what you say. It helps other people find us, blah, blah, blah. Not blah, blah, you blah, know. but you know. Blah, 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 you blah, know. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the people came That's for. That's what they say, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go With It. And every Wednesday, we'll post the movie for the week. Mm-hmm. And then we have our no context quote. And like uh, sometimes we have our ghoulish weekend yeah. tip. We're getting better. We're trying to remember to post No everything. idea what our tip will be this week. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so you can check out our extended show notes on our website, justgoalwithitpod.com. Uh, those are on a bit of a delay because it is up to whenever I have time to update it. Right. And Kate's <laughs> very busy. I'm so busy. Uh, but you could also take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash justgoolwithit. Mm-hmm. And recently we released two different uh, compilations of our outtakes. Kate did an amazing job Thank of that. You. Our outtakes are so funny. <laughs> so I forgot how funny they are. <laughs> it took me a half hour to find the beep sound that I wanted to use. So. I know. You really worked hard on that beep. <laughs> Thank you. They're very good. So our patrons got to hear it. And yeah. we would like to thank those patrons. Hell yeah. They are Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, Meg, Katie, Morgan, Brady, Kenny, Janice, and Brian. Woo! Woo! Love them. Love them so much. Yeah. The intro and outro music. I cut you <gasps> off. Sorry. Did, no, it's you were okay. still professing your love. And I, I was, was like, no. I was nothing. That's fine. No. I was just going to say I love them. It's fine. I hope you know that we love you. <sighs> Kate wouldn't let me say it. No, it's I'm fine. heartless. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty she's, fucking brutal. She's always yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> the intro and outro music. What's <laughs> <laughs> well, created by Anthony Rockefeller? It's true. The cover art is by our very own Nikki Solomon. Don't, don't. We all know you Nikki. just hate me. We know. <laughs> Nikki, tell the people you did. I don't know. I, mean, I, had to think. I was like, what did I do? <laughs> I, I realized I as I said it, it sounds like I was asking you to confess your sins. I was like, oh, I don't know. I have to think. What have you done? I do a lot of things. <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> I made the cover art. Um, <laughs> Kate, I know how I've done this. Oh. What's your Desert Island band? Oh, fuck. Um, uh, Death Cab for Cutie. <gasps> <laughs> Why did that send me to, like, space? I don't know. Harry Styles. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. That's a good uh, choice. Mine was almost Florence and the Machine. I, it was hard. I was yeah. like, who do I listen to constantly? Styles. I mean, yeah. mine is that Death Cab has like such an extensive discography that you oh, get I a different vibe that. from their early shit. I know. Yeah. So that's are good choices, I think. So like, do you guys want to join me on my desert island? <laughs> guys, I'm taking the band. <laughs> I've got Harry Styles, so. <laughs> Punch okay, my well. mic again. Sorry, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> she got real violent about that. Harry, like, Harry, you're coming with island. me. <laughs> Harry, Harry, are you out there? <laughs> He'll never come down. Oh, now he won't. fight one of them.